0: Hello, this is Neil. I'm one of the presenters of Hope With Depression, the podcast. I just wanted to say before we start the episode today that I'm glad we're having this conversation. Mental health has become more more and more, certainly more of a buzzword. People are talking about it more. People are being aware that they perhaps have more control over it than they thought they did. People are deliberately taking more care of themselves mentally and are certainly willing to talk about it and articulate it. And I think it's a good conversation to have. And I really hope certainly to break down the stigma because there shouldn't be one, not in the 21st century, not ever, and certainly not now. So for myself and Lynn and Sam and Sharla and all the presenters of this podcast, our hope is that it maybe starts a conversation either with yourself or with a counsellor or a close friend, just about how important our mental well-being is. And why it's worth talking about and why it's worth understanding and investigating and defending and nurturing. And if this podcast, if something you hear just gives you the opportunity to maybe not suffer when you don't have to and not experience unnecessary pain and suffering, then it's a job well done. Welcome to Hope With Depression, the podcast.
1: We all stood
2: still for a moment in time, leaving the rat race instantly behind as COVID-19 took a hold of mankind. Our first port of call were not our celebrities or the elite, but the ones with whom we touch shoulders every day in the street, grinding tirelessly in jobs society downplays. It was only then, when hardship came our way, when all hope diminished out of sight, did our true
3: hero stand in the spotlight. Mostly depression, it consists of the, the core belief, I am hopeless. There is no sense going on, there is no purpose to my
1: life. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross.
3: Who believe that they're hopeless, that they can't be helped. So what are they going to be proving in their life? They're going to be proving that that they can't be helped. As a rescuer, what are you going to be proving? that my needs don't ever count,
1: that I'm right, my needs aren't important, that that I must not be doing it good enough. Life is 10% what you experience and 90% how you respond to it. Dorothy M. Niedermeyer Give you the basics so that you can begin to
3: recognize when you are in victim consciousness. Because you can't really get past something until you recognize that you're in it. Hope with depression the podcast. It wasn't because of the things that had happened to me. It was because of what I did with those things in my own mind, what I turned it into, what
1: I made it, what I told myself it meant about me. The more you see and accept reality, the more you'll understand and love yourself. Maxime Legace. Mental health
0: matters, a lot. What I'm getting from this is there's hope for everyone, and they can begin to start the healing process right pretty now. Soon and we don't have to feel like victims for long. We don't have to suffer depression for long. All we need is a good roadmap.
1: Hope With Depression, the podcast. Streaming now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher for Android, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and here. Play Hope With Depression, the podcast.
0: Hello, Lynn Forrest. Thank you so much for being on the Hope With Depression podcast.
3: Thank you, Neil. It's good, a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, you are a spiritual mentor, a guide to a spiritual guide to reality. And all the... Uh, well, you tell us the title of your book. It's got a lovely title.
3: Yeah. It's Guiding Principles for Life Beyond Victim Consciousness.
0: Now, I like this because there's a lot of people, particularly because we're recording this, by the way. I don't know when you're listening to it, but it's... Uh, it's late March, 2020 at the moment. And we're right in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and we're recording this on a Zoom call right now. I'm in uh, England, uh, Lindsay, in the States, obviously. What part of the States are you in, by the way?
3: I'm in Florida, Neil, down, down Florida. at the bottom. Yeah. And I love
0: Florida. I beautiful
3: love weather here. It's the perfect time of year. And yeah. we are, we're, we are uh, in the middle of this pandemic. So um, it's interesting times, interesting times. Times that I, I believe that I'm here to experience. I have had a mother who was a spiritual mentor and uh, a teacher in her own right, metaphysics. So I grew up with metaphysics and a metaphysical perspective. And from the early age of seven, my mother told us, myself and my siblings, that we had come to witness um, a, t- a transition, a transformation on planet Earth, that we would be here to witness that and that we were in service. So, So all my life, that's sort of been... I'm here to witness this time. I believe this is that time that she was. And, speaking in, of and at indeed, seven.
0: contribute by writing books about it.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Mm. Life like will be so different. After victim consciousness, what's beyond that? Is it creator consciousness? Is it? Yeah, it is it be, creator I, I've heard consciousness. A from victim to creator quite a lot. Is
3: that it? That I, I use that co-creator consciousness. I use creator consciousness. I also use the word observer consciousness. In my book, I talk about observer consciousness because mm. it's not about it's not about what we do—it's it, about how we see the world. It's—it's it's about being able to step back and 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 see the world through a lens that says, "How is this even this? How is it for me? What is it teaching me?"
0: Understood, mm-hmm. um, understood, and observer consciousness. I mean, that's that's the basis of what many disciplines, isn't it? Certainly, mindfulness, as far as I know. But I am know. I'm certainly not as spiritually adept as you, but I know mindfulness uses the observer consciousness. of her. And, hey, I've heard Deepak Chopra talk about it quite a lot. You know, the witness, isn't it? It's the witness.
3: Mm-hmm. It's the witness. That's an esoteric term that's been around since I've always, I mean, since the turn of the century in the 1900s, that understanding of, of uh, wit- the witnessing consciousness. And that is that part of us. And... Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about it as well, being able to stand back and see without viewing it through the lens of victim consciousness. And victim consciousness is a state of mind that goes like this. When I look out and see the world as that which I'm at the mercy of, is that which is making me, keeping me from getting in the way of, punishing me, hurting me, doing something, inflicting something upon me. When I see myself as a victim, then I begin to do two things automatically. I begin to feel all the feelings that go with believing that. And I begin to act as if it's true. When I feel and act as if what I believe is true, I will act in ways i'll find myself taking on the part of the story that i'm projecting out whatever my belief is that becomes what i project out and it because and because we are vibrational beings the mind uh has what it thinks has an emotional component and that emotional component is what gets transmitted out and what that does is I began to look for that I began to attract that which I'm looking for which will be whatever I'm believing
0: yeah this has got a basis in science too I think science has recently proved it they call it the reticular activating system but it's Mm -hmm. basically see what you believe essentially Um, rather than believing what you you see it's it's seeing what you believe it's it's that way around that's That's a statement
3: that's a statement I've been teaching I've been in practice for 40, over 40 years, 1985, I established, and began to teach these sorts of principles. It's very exciting for me to watch science verify and validate the esoteric principles that I grew up on and that were handed to me as a child. I have become, when I began to see the drama triangle, that's the three positions we take when we're in victim consciousness. We Which take is exactly
0: one what I want to talk to you about today the drama triangle we'll we'll come on to that in just a moment yeah i remember a funny story actually i think people i think it could have been mindfulness they were talking about somebody said oh it's nice to see buddhism uh, catch up with science And, and the buddhist monk went Excuse me.
3: Who's <laughs> been it's, here it's, longer?
0: <laughs> it's mine as it's, it's <laughs> caught up with Buddhism. Um, yes,
3: yes <laughs> but exactly is, right.
0: And For me, of this kind of skeptical Western mind, the fact that these esoteric principles can now be measured and, and, and documented and all that sort of thing. is that exciting? So the, it is exciting and it's unprecedented, and all you wonderful teachers that have been teaching it for years can go, ha ah, ah, I told you so. Um, <laughs> well, your it is. is. Spiritually evolved to behave in such a manner, I'm sure, but.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But it's interesting because just in case for the benefit of our listeners, they're thinking this is all very nice and I'm open to a bit of metaphysics, but what the hell's this got to do with depression? Well, if you're holding negative beliefs and you're attracting negative situations, you may think the whole world is that way rather than seeing that, and I say this with love, you are that way.
3: That's right. And if
0: it's you, you can change it, right? Mm-hmm. And... If you are caught in what you just heard Lynn articulate, the drama triangle, that could be really, really depressing. Now, I've seen this, Lynn, in my own life. Um, maybe not to an extreme degree, but I can t- tell you it's not a nice place to be. I was in the rescuer position. And Lynn will tell us the, whole, the three positions in a minute. Um, like the hero, I'd move in and help people. And number one, it's exhausting. Number two, you feel like you're never doing enough. Number three, it's not a mental health place. It is not a place of mental health. It really is not. Um, And I'm going to let Lynn explain why, and this is how it relates to our Hope of Depression podcast. So um, I've heard it called Drama Triangle and Starting Gate Drama Triangle. Which which term do you use?
3: Uh, I call it the drama triangle. And first of all, I want to give credit to Dr. Stephen Cartman, who is the one who developed the triangle itself. He is a he is a psychiatrist of transactional analysis. He, I, I encountered his work in the 70s, and that was when I first heard of that triangle. He's the one that named the positions, the victim, persecutor, rescuer. What I did was take that model and began to apply it on the ground with my clients and, and families, and, and then have spent over 40 years, 45 years, doing exactly that so that i what i did was gather a compendium of information around how the victim triangle as he called it the, the drama triangle as i like to call it uh how that operates and it is the it is the um where we must go if we're going to move beyond depression it, it is where we must go because we are when we are in depression that's the emotional component of the belief system we are projecting out and
0: right, Let, let's have it then. Let's uh, how do we get into this drama triangle? Please, let's uh, please explain.
3: So, we have, the first thing we do is we go into victim consciousness. The first thing we do is we say, I'm at the mercy of something outside, is in control of my life. I, it's I'm hopeless. I can't, life is too hard. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the support I need. I'm isolated. I don't, uh, mostly, depression it consists of the, the core belief I am hopeless. There is no sense going on. There is no purpose to my life. When we believe that, and it is a and it a, a belief, it, there's a it is a pattern. There is a pattern that goes along with thinking the thoughts, because what a belief is is a thought that we've married. And when I married the thought that I'm hopeless, I I'm, I began to feel depressed. I feel hopeless. I feel at the mercy of. That's victim consciousness. And then what I do is I get on that triangle and I, I began to move around it. I move from roll to me just role. Tell you
0: What points are on the triangle? Sorry. victim The,
3: one, the victim the is people. the first entry play. That is one of the points that, that and the second one is the, the uh, persecutor. The third is the rescuer and rescuer. rescuer yes. And so um, those are the three roles that we play. I call them starting gate positions because we all have one. We don't, we move through them when we get on that triangle, wherever we enter it from, whether we come on as a persecutor or a victim or a rescuer, we move around it from there. So we go through all the three roles. We can do it that fast, or we can do it spread out over a lifetime. But when we we get on there, we also have a particular slant, and that has to do with the way we see life. And that will set us up as a starting gate that that is our starting gate like well, the way victims see the world is different than the way persecutors see the world the way rescuers see the world is different they yeah. each have different what i call core beliefs Right. The core beliefs are your basic theme in life and so that's what determines your starting gate position on the triangle But once you're on there, you, but um, rescuers will move around the triangle differently than do victims. Starting gate victims will, will move differently around the triangle than do starting gate persecutors. So, and that's because they each have a particular way of seeing the world. Victims have a core belief that says, I am helpless. I need somebody else to do it for me. I don't have what it takes. I am not good enough, strong enough, well enough healthy enough Um, I am a failure and when we believe those that is what we we go into collapse and that is the defense strategy because what these three roles are actually Neil are defense strategies they are ways that we when we believe that we are hopeless in the world that the world that that there's no hope that 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 we are isolated and and our life is useless when we believe those thoughts then we see the world in a dep- through a depressed lens, of course. Of course, who wouldn't? That's not, that's not insane. That makes sense if you believe what you think. You're going to feel the feelings that go with it. And so that's part of the pattern. The belief pattern consists of the belief that we've married and the feelings that go with it. And then the reactions that come out of that. So how am I going to act when I see a world that is desperate, hopeless, and I'm at the mercy of? I'm going to act like a. I'm going to act like a victim. I'm going to collapse. I'm going to kind of give up. I'm going to look for somebody else to help me, and and then I'm going to feel disappointed when they don't. Because if you maybe you've noticed, you mentioned that you had been a consummate rescuer, or a starting gate rescuer. You probably noticed that the victims don't get rescued because they're convicted of no. what they believe and they can't. No. And as long as they believe that they're hopeless, they will prove themselves hopeless. That's what we do on the triangle. Yes, prove yes. so our position.
0: And that would frustrate a rescuer, wouldn't it?
3: Oh, well, it frustrates say, a rescuer.
0: A rescuer would say, I've done all these things. And if they would only, if they would only, that that must be the mantle of a rescuer. But you, if they would well, only.
3: Well, but here's the thing. The rescuer in victim, when the rescuer moves into victim, they become the martyr. That's a stage of rescuing. That's how they move around the triangle. Rescuers also have a core belief. The victim's core belief is that I'm helpless. I need somebody to do it for me because I can't do it for myself. And the rescuer's core belief is, my needs are not important, yours are more important. I'm here to take care of you and and that is how I as a rescuer establish my worth. If I can take care of you good enough, and this is why it's a, a defense strategy, because rescuers are working to really rescue themselves by sacrificing themselves for others believing that then the myth uh, this is the myth of every starting gate rescuer is that if i take care of you well enough long enough good enough someday you'll be there for me someday there'll be a turnaround a, a turn it, it? and it does because look who you've hooked up with you've connected because rescuers are going to be a—it's a it's a i like to say a match made in hell when we hook up with the victims who believe that they're hopeless, that they can't be helped. So what are they going to be proving in their life? They're going to be proving that they're, that they can't be helped. And what are you going as a rescuer? What are you going to be proving that my needs don't ever count that I, that I'm right. My needs aren't important. That, that I must not be doing it good enough. And we go around that, that, so then we turn on ourselves what's wrong with you that you you know if you had done it differently what if or, or i was too hard on them why did i have to or whatever so we we do that and then we move back into rescuing ourselves by um, well there's all kinds of ways we rescue ourselves everything from numbing out um, pointing the finger out there is the most is the way we we most rescue ourselves is when i can say it's not my fault It's your fault. And rather it's like either because we believe this is a human core belief. We tend to believe as humans that the world should be different than the way it is, that it's not the way it should be. And as soon as we believe that, we begin to look for why it's not the way it should be. And then comes in blame. Then we are pointing the finger of blame. And then we then it's like that has to change before I can feel better and all of that none of that is reality the reality is the only thing that needs to change for me to feel better is the way i see it now that sounds oversimplified and i'll tell you the truth about this work it's very simple but it doesn't mean it's easy because we are habituated in our pattern of seeing the world We're habituated to seeing the the world through one of those three lenses.
0: Tell us about the persecutor, if you would. I'm thinking bully. And is that a defense strategy too?
3: When we teach this model to children, and I did develop a model that um, is being taught in school systems and that sort of thing. It's called uh, the Happy Kid Toolkit, a reality formula for kids. Um, And when we we teach it to kids, and so I use it with grownups too, the victim becomes the helpless baby the persecutor becomes the blaming bully and the rescuer becomes the bossy helper. And those are very descriptive words that really help kids comprehend it very quickly. And yeah. the persecutor is that one who also has a core belief, their core belief. And these are not bad people. There's not a worse place on the triangle, by the way. It's not like persecutors are the bad guys and rescuers are the good guys. No, persecutors are simply those who believe that the world is a scary, dangerous place and that I got to take care of me because nobody else will. And that means that I got to get you before you get me because I know the world is out to get me.
0: Preemptive strike.
3: That's exactly right. And so, so um, persecutors are walking around the world, you know, trying to defend themselves, block your, you know, your blow And what they don't realize is that what you see coming towards you when I'm doing this is is an attack. And so you're going to block my blow. And guess what that will prove to me? I'm right. The world is dangerous. So what we're doing is we're using the triangle, every single one of us, regardless of what your starting gate position is, we're using the triangle as a way to verify our own beliefs, our own core beliefs.
0: So what is the, I'm going to ask you in a minute what the way out is, because obviously you want to learn more about your work. I mean, it, it, this sounds to me like I'm thinking chess. It could take you a couple of hours to, to learn and a lifetime to master. Maybe um, <laughs> A
3: lifetime to master. That's right. I've been yeah. at it 45 years. And uh, yeah. And here's the thing I want to say about that, yeah. Neil. We are not supposed to not ever. It's not about getting off the triangle and getting off of it forever. We go in and out of victim consciousness throughout the day. And, be, and there is a place for it. It is a teaching space. We actually learn from, especially when we bring observer consciousness into it. Observer consciousness says, doesn't say it's wrong to do that. Stop it. Because where am I with me when I'm doing this to me? Oh, that's me and persecutor to myself. You,
0: you know everything. Everything you say, it's it spews out about another eight questions that I want to ask you. This is brilliant. <laughs> how would someone begin to take steps out of this to see to see the world? Well, how do you see the world? I mean, if you don't see the world as a victim, mm-hmm. what do you see the world as? What kind of world do you see if you're not persecutor, rescuer, or victim? You
3: know, there's nicer I, one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, So the victim triangle is a downward facing triangle and that's an important thing to remember because it's downward pointing for a reason. The victim is at the apex at the bottom and then you've got the bully and the rescuer and these go round and round and they and they spiral down. They take us down and then but there is another triangle that is upward facing and I call that the observer consciousness. So we have victim consciousness, we have observer consciousness. I also use the word co-creator or creator consciousness because when I move and the way, the first thing I do that begins to change everything is I begin to tap into that which is the witness within me. I begin to watch. I take a step back. When And and I began to, what I'm doing today and hope to do for your listeners is g- give you the basics so that you can begin to recognize when you are in victim consciousness. Because you can't really get past something until you recognize that you're in it. So as soon as you recognize, and, and how do you recognize it? Well, through our feelings and through our behavior, because those will be a quicker access than trying to figure out what you're thinking. But one of the questions you ask, and I use Byron Katie's work a lot with people. Um, she wrote a book. Um, what did she call? What is her first book? Gosh, Loving What Is. Was it Loving What or, Is? Loving What Is, and and Loving she describes is. a process. It's the f- four questions and turnaround. She calls it. As a matter of fact, her husband Stephen Mitchell uh, edited when I wrote them when I when I was p- first putting my book out. You know, my book came out in two thousand and eleven. So it's been out a while, and it's growing now. It's like the, the, we've fi- we've we've arrived to a place in consciousness now where we are really seeing this. It's very exciting for me to see people beginning to wake up around this di- dynamic. But um, her work asks four questions, and and I use those as a tool of so because the four questions are are recognizing what is it. The first question I like to have people ask themselves is when you can feel, when you start feeling bad, when you feel depressed, rather than I'm depressed and I'm hopeless and I'm, and you begin to think those thoughts that are, those thoughts are just taking you down, down, down. It's at some point we begin to ask the question, what am I telling myself right now? What am I believing right now that that is creating this feeling? And we, so we begin to, Then this is the observer, I'm stepping back now. As soon as I ask that question, I've stepped back. So I've already accessed observer consciousness. Because when, when I'm believing it, I'm married to it, that means I'm going to take its ride, and I'm going to take its ride blindly. I don't even know anything different. It's just this is what I've always done. I've always thought this, never even stepped back to see what it is I'm thinking. But it, it's available to us once we step back. And as soon as we step back, I've broken away. Now I'm saying, what am I thinking? What am I believing? That space makes all the difference in the world because all you have to do is, pl- is place a seat of doubt between you and the belief that you're, the thought you're believing. Yeah. And all of a sudden you don't have to feel the feelings that go with that thought and you don't have to act as if it's true. So it interrupts the whole process and this is how we get started we begin to, we begin to and there are two things required or that is the willingness to get honest with ourselves about where we are and the second thing is the willingness to take 100 percent self-responsibility for where we are and that's a hard one because we're very caught up in victim blame consciousness victim consciousness including
0: the, blaming ourselves i guess
3: we're, yeah, that's where it starts. It starts within us. We start by so, blaming ourselves.
0: But so we mustn't blame ourselves. You did say it was a teaching space. So if we find ourselves in that space, mm-hmm. and then our, will it be willing to do those self-examination questions that you just said? If we do it kindly, we don't beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. Certainly, no, it's just a question of an opportunity to learn, and it's not something we should beat ourselves up for, for falling back into victim consciousness, maybe. So I've seen a lot of people do that, I think.
3: You know, there is a whole, whole way of seeing the world that makes, that that shifts us out of victim consciousness. Victim consciousness is a, is a mindset. And frankly, I've been working with people for 45 years. And that means, I I can't tell you how many individuals, full-time job, this is how I've made my living, so uh, groups, one on ones, families, generations of families. I have family gener- generations of family that have been with me three generations. Now I'm telling you this, and now they're getting ready to have babies, <laughs> so it'll be a fourth yeah. generation before long. But uh, well, I'm telling you this because I have been watching how victim consciousness gets passed down through our lineage of beliefs that we that families have threads. And I've been and observing, and my observer consciousness has allowed me to observe the dynamics of victim consciousness up close and personal in people's lives. And and I'll tell you some of the things I've found that help us um, step back from blame, uh, blaming ourselves and making us defective, wrong, a failure. Um, um, it's all the things that we like to tell ourselves when we're in persecutor on the triangle with ourselves. Um, and And the first thing I would say is I began to notice that there is not a single human on our planet that has not experienced helpless baby victim. We come in as helpless babies. that's reality. We come in, we are not even able to feed ourselves, we're not able to walk, we're not able to talk we we're totally dependent on others, and that is that, that is a how can that not be how can that be a happenstance? How can that be a coincidence? No, that's a setup. That's what I call the setup. And so that tells me right off the bat that we are set up to every one of us go through the experience of what it is to feel at the mercy of and helpless. Now, that's the first thing. And then the second thing I notice in reality when I tap into the observer is that lineage beliefs come down to us through our parents, both our mother and our father. And we know in family systems, and I've verified this over and over again. As a matter of fact, I've found it's a template. Family systems offers a template through which to look at families. That has been just observed over years and years and years of working with families. And I've been in the field doing that work with families. Um, we we observe that that it comes down to us. These beliefs come down to us that they're actually and they're actually in our DNA they're part of our habitual and then we not only that but then we have parents who model it for us they show us what it looks like to be a victim they so how, play it off.
0: so how on earth does anyone begin to begin to break out I mean it well here's seems the thing
3: it seems... it's 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 purposeful, and you know, and so then I started asking the question, like you, what, why, why are we set up to experience these roles on a triangle? Why do we all? Well, because this is a, this is boot camp. Here is here's here's my thesis, my hypothesis, and, and again, it's one I've passed on to people for many, many, many years, and watched what happens when they begin to see the world through this understanding. And that is, they begin to feel better. And it doesn't take years. It's, it's sort of like when the mind changes, the feelings change. When the feelings change and you begin to feel better, you begin to learn to reach for that next best feeling thought rather than take the spiral down again and again and again and again. We begin so to take responsibility
0: captured, for that. I've captured, I've captured a nuance here. So first of all, it's about accepting I guess yourself and everything and everyone else is like, oh, as a lawyer, certainly <coughs> yourself as you, <laughs> my colleague. Sorry. Uh accepting, um, how to make, uh, accepting yourself as you are?
3: Accepting yourself and understand the way to accept yourself as you are, is to understand that you are designed to, this is your vehicle for awakening. There's nothing like pain. Have you noticed to get our attention? Okay. Pain is the great motivator. Nothing motivates us like pain everything has a purpose this i uh, my what i had what i did when i began to look for the way out of victim consciousness is i looked around for what what foundation and because i grew up in a metaphysical household i had been handed universal laws from a very early age my mom lived with those laws and she passed them on and she was a second generation her mother was also a teacher and uh so it was passed on to me, and it, it so and so I pulled together over the years of working with people, and I began to look for a way out. I pulled together 14 originally, and now I've condensed those into 10. So there are 14 in the book, but now I have 10 what I call guiding principles of reality, and those principles are the way minds work. And when we understand, the, the, they, give us the, they, they give us an outline, a framework, a frame of reference that helps us shift our lens from victim to understanding that this is not only purposeful, but it is part of our awakening. It's part of our maturation. Because a spiritual journey is simply a journey of, mat, of maturation. It's about growing up. And because the first requirement is that we take responsibility for what shows up in our life. Why? Because we understand that what shows up in our life is going to be a vibrational match for the feelings that we're feeling, believing what we believe. We're going to attract that, which is a reflection to us of our own belief system. But what we do is go ahead know, ask questions i can go on and on
0: i <laughs> know this is this is brilliant we've got a load of lovely information already certainly enough for our listeners to begin to you know start integrating into. well their lives. i don't
3: want to overwhelm but i do want to give you enough so that you can get a start because for me this work is like i just start i'm i, I think of myself as johnny Appleseed of the reality formula and i'm just planting i'm just handing out seeds i'm just planting seeds everywhere i go so that's that's my commitment
0: okay. So my question is, um, it's not, you said at the beginning, it's a reflection of what we believe. It's not the truth. It just seems like the truth to us. So in a sense, wait, 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 what's the it?
3: (laughs) When you say it's not the truth, what are you saying is not the truth?
0: Life, reality, whatever situation. What I believe,
3: what I believe is going to be what I project. And that will be what I see. And that is based on my story. And that is an illusion.
0: Yes. So it seems the truth to you, but it's actually, uh, it's your own belief system. It's not reality itself um
3: and uh, let me say something about that and and we know this because and again working with closely with families we can be standing side by side in a family witnessing the very same thing and have totally different beliefs about what we're seeing and we will feel and react accordingly and we will reap that the life that will go along with what we're projecting out you see, we're all, we are each and every one creating the world that we see because we're going to believe it, feel it, react as if it's true, and then we will, and thereby we will act in ways that will actually train people how to treat us so that we can prove ourselves right
0: so what it's happens. a hor- so it's a vicious circle we want to get on a virtuous circle rather than the vicious one but what if someone's had an awful experience let's say someone's depressed because they've experienced abuse or something like that i mean to try and tell someone like that that they're creating this that, mm-hmm. and that very- i know
3: it it's a it's a it's swampy ground there but here's what i want to say about that i grew up in a family of extreme dysfunction my mother was metaphysical my father was one of eight brothers and uh, eight siblings. And every one of them were drunks. Every one of them were ragers. Every, there, was, there was a pedophile in the mix. There was, you know, there was all that. So I had that as well. I know what it is to live in dysfunction. And, and to, I know what it is to feel hopeless. I know what it is to feel suicidal. Uh, I know what it is to live on the streets. I've done all of this. And so not only have I worked with others, but I have tested these principles on the ground. So I know, I know that they work, but here's the thing. What, what, what happened? And I'll tell you one of the pivotal points that, that things shifted for me in my own journey. I was, and I'll I'll never forget it. I was driving down the road and I was in my early thirties and driving down the road. And all of a sudden I realized I had the cognition that it wasn't what had happened to me as a child that was holding me Prisoner. It wasn't because I'd been abused sexually, emotionally, physically, verbally. It wasn't because of the things that had happened to me. It was because of what I did with those things in my own mind. What I turned it into. What I made it. What I told myself it meant about me. And what I told myself it. What I told myself. What I was believing at that time about me was that I was hopelessly damaged by what had happened to me and that there, that I was irretrievably, uh, impaired.
0: And so that, uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting from this is there's hope for everyone and they can begin to start the healing process. Right now. Soon, and we don't have to feel like victims for long. We don't have to suffer depression for long. All we need is a good roadmap. And that, that's, that, that's what I got from that. You said that beautifully. That's, that's exactly and, it, and, Neil. And, you and are I'm not
3: person. saying I'm not saying that we don't have true victims. I was truly a victim as a child when I was sexually abused. That was a that was I was a true victim there. But you understand what the choice is is whether or not I will see myself as a victim, or whether I will. And there's another way to see it, and those guiding principles give you the other way. And that is this. There, this is part of the vehicle it's a hardship there's no doubt about it and it's difficult but this challenge is calling me to rise above it's an initiation it is happening because there's a belief system that i'm being asked to see and i come i came in to have the experiences i have how do i know that because that's reality that's what's happening we can argue with reality all day long. We get into shoulds. We say, well, it shouldn't be like this. And we can all get in line and, and pivot. Yeah, I mean, you know, walk back and forth with our signs that, that uh, rebel against something. We can all agree that it shouldn't be the way it is. But is it? If it is the way it is, then all it's going to do should 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 be able, is the hometown of the victim ego. There's no such place except in our mind. There's no show me in reality where shouldville lives, where you can land on shouldville and have things be different just because you think they should be. No, our job is to line up with reality. And the way to line up with reality is to say, okay, there's purpose here. What can I learn from this? Every great leader, every great inventor, originator uh, who came through f- family dysfunction, extreme family dysfunction what may what what triggered it for them what helped them to succeed was their belief about it what they did with it where they refused to be at the mercy of it they look for okay i learned how to be strong here i learned how to be independent i learned how to these are the we began to look for the other side of it how has this strengthened me what has it brought me and this I is think- where we began to train
0: our yeah. thinking. I think that's a lovely, lovely place, if you don't mind. Let's something else you want to say to in the interview. I think that's a lovely conclusion we've come to. Mm-hmm. Just that we don't have to remain in victim consciousness. We can get out. There is a path out and there Absolutely. is another path out of depression because you are living proof. And this is what we're finding with all the people that have been on our show oh. one or another day, They are all living proof and it's a beautiful and, thing to and see. And
3: not only am I living proof, but I've had it proven to me through the thousands of families and family members and individuals that I've worked with over the 45 years, yeah, you know, beautiful. so, so I've been able to find see you it.
0: online.
3: Lynnforest.com, L-Y-N-N-E-F-O-R-R-E-S-T.com. I also, yeah. I, I want to let folks know that I, we also my daughter works with me my son and, and i have been doing this work together for 30 years we do workshops so not only i'm not the only one in my family we we understand this they grew up on these principles they know they work and that is a wonderful tribute to the power of this work as well but my daughter and i do a I do a process bi-monthly twice a month called reality formula live it's a webinar online we're for a nominal monthly membership fee you you can actually be with us and talk directly with me and actually do personal work there well, online for what i'll
0: do Lynn, i'll put you on our resources list and when you have a link for that webinar i'll um i'll promote it and let folks know about it and i'll stick you on the resources list as well so that people would be join awesome
3: up, i would appreciate that so much
0: okay thank well, I you for i appreciate i appreciate you thank you so very very much you're
3: welcome thank you um, neil
0: for your time this afternoon, Lynn. It's been a pleasure to meet you and I'm gonna go and buy your book now and have a good old read of that. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Have a great day. Next time on Hype with Depression, the podcast. I
2: think as a carer you need to that's definitely number one on the list to realise when it's the illness speaking and when it's the actual person speaking. You're able to understand it a little bit more and not take things to heart as
0: much. Beautifully said, and you don't take things so personally. Yeah. But until you reach that level of understanding it can be get a bit tricky
2: yeah absolutely i think when sam my sister was going through the so not particularly depression specifically but i'm sure there was an element of depression with eating disorder mm. um, and stuff like that i mean it's all sort of goes into one i'm not really ashamed to say now that i sort of resented mm. not sam as a person necessarily probably at times to be fair especially when you're a teenager as well and you don't mm. know what you're supposed to be feeling anyway
0: mm, but um all over the place then aren't you? Yeah, yeah
2: exactly so you don't know how who you are as a person and then you've got all these things going on so yeah i think it was the situation as well as you know obviously sam getting more attention and stuff like that and you start resenting
1: the situation you yourself as much as anybody in the entire universe deserve your love and affection buddha Hope With Depression, the podcast, streaming now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher for Android, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and here. Play Hope With Depression, the podcast.